Welcome to Your Brand Amplified, the podcast where we interview marketers, publicists, and brands to learn their stories, what makes them tick, and tips and tricks that make a difference. Today, we're going to cover a topic that honestly hasn't been covered for about three years on this podcast. I've had one other person come on who was a lawyer talking about the importance of trademarks and patents and like the differences between all of these concepts that we hear about, but we might not realize we need to protect our businesses. So I'm really excited to have Kelly Jones on the show. Kelly, thank you for being on your brand Amplified. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. Me too. So you saw the little R because I have a registered trademark for your brand Amplified, but there's Sometimes you see people use TMs, you know, then you have the registered mark with a circle. There's a lot of confusion, I think, around how to do this process and how to do it properly. So before we get into that, will you please share a little bit more about you? You've been a lawyer, you've worked at different firms. So I'd love to hear your story and your journey into your current niche of working with small businesses and entrepreneurs to help them understand what they need to know. Yeah, sure. So initially after law school, I worked with a couple of nonprofits um, and then I moved to working at a private firm for a couple of years. And I was pretty much going to court every day, working a lot with like insurance claims and like court commercial litigation and stuff. It just like really was not for me. I did not like going to court every day. It was just a lot. And then during the pandemic, I ended up opening my own firm instead in 2020. And that's when I decided to work with small businesses. Um, I was already (laughs) using Instagram actually as like a fitness entrepreneur, part-time like fitness coach. So I kind of like had already started making connections with a lot of other small business owners, either in the fitness space or people that were in the fitness space and then pivoted to like social media or business coaching or something like that. So that's kind of why I decided to work with small business owners because I was already seeing the, you know, legal issues that they were going through. And so then I started my own firm helping them and I just love it. Also, it does not involve going to court, which I love even more. So yeah. Fantastic. Well, I want to go back to your Instagram. Did you shift your own Instagram account from being fitness and influencer into law or did you start a whole new account? I actually literally just changed my name. It was initially it was Kelso for like a name for Kelly, uh, Kelso Fit and Why. And then I literally just changed it to Lawyer Kelly. And I was like, hi, so I'm pivoting from fitness to law. And how was that transition for you? Because I know when it comes to my own socials, I don't get the engagement I used to get on Instagram because I moved it from being more fashion, philanthropy, events, influencer stuff into now it's going to be my business Instagram. And then I was like, okay, now I want to shift it to like somewhere in between. (laughs) Yeah, um, it was pretty interesting, but I got a lot of support. And it's actually, you know, it's led to a lot of connections from people from my fitness days, even ones that are not entrepreneurs themselves. They've ended up, you know, being like, oh, now you help businesses. I know a business that needs help and have referred me that way. Don't think I get as much like engagement as when I posted my like, just like, you know, a fitness picture or something like that. But overall, it's been pretty positive. Fantastic. So who is your ideal client? What is there a specific kind of small business or? Yeah. So really, it's any small business. I do tend to work with a lot of online business owners that just kind of happened that way. I think also because I'm marketing myself online. So a lot of other people that are also online found me. I also have a lot of small business owners in the beauty industry, which also kind of just happened randomly from like started working with a couple and then they ended up referring me to more and more. 
So I do have like a, a kind of a big portion of clients in the beauty industry for trademark as well. So yeah, online businesses, but then I have a ton of actual like brick and mortars and people that sell products and stuff like that as well. Wonderful. And can you walk us through why it's important to trademark, especially when I'm thinking about products and you're talking about beauty and fitness? I want to know why is it important to trademark and what can you trademark? Yeah. So first, what you can trademark is something that is like a word or a logo. So, you know, it can be your business name. It can be your logo, your tagline. It could be even your podcast name, a course name, you know, a product line name, really anything that you use that is kind of like a part of your brand that you use in connection with goods or services. So, you know, it's not going to be something that you just like happen to say a lot as like a saying, but it's something that's actually like connected to your goods or services. And the reason why you'd want to do this is because you would want to secure, essentially, this is how you secure ownership over that name or phrase in connection with your goods and service. So a lot of people think like, oh, well, I have my LLC. So that means I, you know, I've secured the name. But that's really probably one of the biggest myths that I run into because having your LLC is great, but it's to protect your personal assets should anything go wrong in your business. It really has nothing to do with the name of the LLC. You know, you can name your LLC like 123XYZ, like you know, it doesn't really matter because it's not for the purpose of securing the name. That's really where the trademark comes in. Um, so I think, you know, a lot of businesses, they think like, oh, well, no one else can pop up that, you know, has a same or similar name because I have my LLC. But the trademark is really what protects that, not the LLC. And, you know, the reason why you would even want this is because you don't want people to see other someone else that has either a similar name or the same exact name and be confused, you know, think that, oh, is there some type of affiliation? Are they connected? Are they working together? Or wait, which one did someone refer me to? Which whose course did they need me to buy? So, you know, that's one of the biggest reasons why you'd want to get it. Yeah. And I love that you brought up. It's not just a phrase you say, because I think I've heard stories about celebrities who've tried to trademark phrases that they said that because they're like, oh, this is in the vernacular now, but we're unsuccessful at those attempts. Yes. Yeah. Because, you know, I think too, sometimes people, they'll just want to like trademark it and be like, oh, I'm the owner of it. I, you know, but it has to be something that you're actually selling. So, you know, you can't prevent someone from using something else unless you are actually selling it in that area. And even when you are selling something and you get the trademark, it doesn't mean you can prevent someone from using it for absolutely anything, just something that is either the same or related to what you're doing. So, you know, if you're selling jewelry and someone else is doing fitness coaching, like you can't stop them from using a similar name. But if you're selling jewelry and someone else is selling, you know, maybe like headbands or something, maybe that's a little closer. Someone could potentially be confused between that. So that is what you know you're doing with the trademark. Yeah. And I want to give a little example. So obviously your brand amplified. I have a registered trademark. Yay. It took a while to get there. And part of it was it's similar words to other brands. So I had to show here's how I use it. And here's why it's important for my brand. There was also somebody else had your brand amplified.com as a redirect to their website. Now, I only got the trademark in the US. So I want you to talk through that too and what it means to get a trademark here, how you would go through the process and when you would recommend somebody get it in other countries. But because I had it here and because of the name of the podcast and all that stuff, the person who had the .com wasn't being found on Google through SEO anymore. And I think probably they also got people market confusion and probably people reached out who thought they were reaching me So they eventually gave it up and I got the .com. So that was a big win because it's an important piece of real estate. The .co is great, but the .com is 
even better. But I know that if I were going to other markets, I would probably need to establish it as a registered trademark there as well. So what are some of the things that you talk through your clients? What questions do you ask them when they when you have to figure out like where you're going to register? Yeah, so it typically depends on what their goals are. You know, if they're primarily planning to only stay within the U.S., they're planning to expand um, and you know, how soon that expansion, you know, is within their goals, you know, is it within the next year or couple of years? Or is it like a 10, 20 year plan, you know, because we want to see how close that is to see like, okay, once we apply in the US, do we need to then take that and use it to apply in other countries and which other countries, you know, maybe it's just Canada, maybe it's Canada and UK, or maybe it's tons of countries. So, you know, that really depends on their goals and what they are wanting. And also, is there, you know, other people already in other countries that are using it that, you know, you know, you want to think about like, oh, okay, I'm going to potentially expand there. So they already have it there. Maybe I don't want to use this name or stick with this name or something if my goal is, you know, global expansion. So those are things that, you know, we think about and kind of go from there of like what other countries were going to expand in. And also, you know, a lot of times it's also a financial concern because the more countries you apply in, the more fees and filing fees and everything like that too. Yeah. Why should somebody start this process earlier? Like when they're first thinking about their business and starting it versus waiting for years down the road? Yeah. So that is one of the biggest issues is that a lot of people wait until later on to come, you know, to file a trademark, which, you know, like logically it kind of does make sense. You know, you want to build your brand and then you're like, okay, now I'm ready to invest this amount in it. But sometimes that ends up leading to problems because someone else has then already filed a trademark or registered fully for something that's either the same as your name or something that's very similar. That means you might not get your trademark through. So a lot of times when people come to me years down the road, they end up having to rebrand. And, you know, my recommendation is always to do it as early as possible, because then if you have to rebrand in the beginning of your business, it's going to be a lot easier than if you have to rebrand like three or five years down the road. Especially if you've already, you know, put a lot of money into, you know, your marketing or even like inventory or something or, you know, a website, all these things that the more money you put into your brand, the harder a potential rebrand is. Yeah. And what a bummer to build a brand, have people know who you are under a certain name and ethos and then have to shift that completely. Yes. Yeah. One of my clients, actually, she was, you know, she has a brick and mortar. She was on the first page of Google. She worked so hard to get there. And after a couple of years, she went to trademark and then we had to end up rebranding. But, you know, the good news is a couple of years later now, she's built herself back onto Google. But, you know, it, it's a process. Can you demystify the process a little bit of the costs involved with, say, you know, there are fees to hire a lawyer. I always recommend hiring an expert for things. Don't just try to do it yourself because you're probably going to end up doing it wrong. <laughs> are you ready to take your brand to new heights? Join the Brand Amplifier for Entrepreneurs program. Learn how to build, elevate, and amplify your brand with a comprehensive 10-module course. Learn more about it and other ways to implement our strategies at fullcapacitymarketing.com. Click on EFCM Learning Hub for more information. Can't wait to help you amplify your brand. Can you talk to a little bit about what that process is like? When somebody comes to you, do they fill out an intake form and then you walk them through a questionnaire? And then how much are the fees, for like the government side of the fees? 
Yeah. So typically I tell people if they're filing a trademark for, you know, one thing, whether it's their business name or something else to budget about 3000 This is kind of like typically the average cost that I see for including lawyers and filing fees. So for example, for me, I charge 2500 plus filing fees. The way that the government charges their filing fees is 250 to 350 per class of goods or services. So essentially there's 45 classes of all goods and services are split into those. So, you know, some people might be filing in one class, some in two, some in even more than that. But typically the average we file for, at least in the beginning, is, you know, between one and three classes. So that like about 250 filing fees times maybe two or three, sometimes only one. So that's why I say like kind of average about 3000. And the reason for the legal fee side of it is the main thing that we do is a full search to assess the risk level of your mark. And we do this before we even file the trademark. So this is like the first step of the process once we're like fully engaged in deciding to, you know, proceed. Um, and this is, you know, you can go on the USPTO website and do a free basic search. That's a great like starting place to kind of see if anyone has like the exact name spelt the exact way that you want. But the search that we do is much more in depth. It uses algorithms because it's not just an identical name that you're looking to make sure no one else has but also anything that is too similar. So that means similar in sound, appearance, even meaning. So, you know, someone that's using, for example, in their brand, like woman versus like lady or girl or, you know, something like that, like those could all be potential things that could be too similar to each other. So like it's different meanings as well. So that's why we use those algorithms. And then so we do that search and we kind of give you a risk rating of like low risk, moderate risk, high risk, because we don't want to waste time and money applying for something that you're going to find out in 10 months that, you know, they issue a refusal saying it's too similar to someone else's brand. We'd rather know that upfront and have a way of like, okay, maybe we need to change something or change the name completely, or maybe just apply in a certain way to try to get us around those other brands. So that's kind of like the whole big strategy piece of why it's more costly because it takes so long. And the process, you know, it takes over a year. So it's, it's a lot that goes into it and mostly upfront before we file. Yeah. And so uh, that was my next question is how long it takes. So you said it takes about a year to get through the whole process. You have to do follow up and go back and forth and you might have to ask them for more support, like documents or show proof that they're using it in certain ways. Yeah. So now the, they are estimating that it takes about 14 to 15 months average right now. And really, that is mainly because the first nine or so months, you're just waiting for it to get assigned to an attorney at the trademark office. They just, they've been getting slower and slower. So that's really like the main reason why it takes so long. Um, And then at that time, the nine or 10 month place, that is where, you know, they might come back with issues like it's too similar to someone else, or they need us to clarify the goods and services or, you know, show a different way of how you're using it or some other, you know, issue that can sometimes be easy to fix and sometimes be more hard, complex to fix. Yeah. And have you ever had somebody come to you for this work and then you've had to say, no, we can't help you? I mean, you you talked about the example of the client who you had to completely rebrand and change their name, but is there anybody who has come to you that you just, you know that you can't work with them off the bat? There's a couple of people for different reasons. So, you know, one I had that was, there was just something like the exact name as someone else. And I was like, there's no way, you know, like, I mean, you could file this, you could file whatever you want. It's not going to work. You're not going to get through. Like, you're definitely going to get it refused. And also you're potentially infringing on them. 
So, you know, that because it was the same name, same goods and services. So, you know, that is a major issue. And then also other reasons why sometimes I can't work with people is if either the same name or very similar to a client that I already have and representing because then it could potentially be a conflict. So then I have to refer you to someone else. <laughs> yeah, that would be difficult. Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine having to tell somebody, somebody's already doing this with that name. Yeah. And it happens, you know, more often than people probably think just because, you know, like trademark real estate is dwindling with more and more people that are applying. I mean, at this point, it's September 2023 and over 750,000 applications have been filed just this year alone. So, you know, it's just kind of getting harder and harder to find words that other people aren't using something that's even a little bit similar to, especially when, you know, you're using something that is somewhat relating to what you're doing, you know, like it's not a completely like made up word. For sure. And what about I'd love to hear a success story where you were able to really help somebody capture their trademark and helped like make their business go so much further. Yeah. So one client, we actually, we did not think that we were going to be able to get her trademark through because there was, so we first got a refusal for it being too similar to another brand. And we ended up submitting an argument to it and we were able to eventually overcome it. And, you know, basically you have to like try to differentiate your brand and their brand. And we ended up being able to do that, which is not always the easiest thing to do. It does not have a high success rate of like overcoming these types of things. So we were able to do that. It took the whole process. I think it took us about two years, a little over two years to get her trademark. And then she actually ended up selling her business. But because she had the trademark, she was able to sell it because the value was so much higher because she had the trademark. Because, you know, a lot of people don't want to buy a business without the trademark because it could open them up to becoming liable for trademark infringement in the future. So, you know, your trademark is a major asset in your business. So I'm glad that, you know, it was able to help her get a better deal for a sale and also be a reason that someone wanted to purchase her business. Ah, that's fantastic. Now, you're based in New York, but can you work with people anywhere in the United States or anybody outside the United States who wants to do a trademark in the U.S.? Yes. So that's a good thing about trademarks is because they are federal, the attorney that you work with can be anywhere in the U.S. as long as they are licensed in at least one state. So they can help anyone file in the U.S. And also, if your brand is not located in the U.S., you're actually required to use an attorney so that, yeah, then you can use an attorney in the U.S. as well. Fantastic. You built this business during the pandemic when a lot of people are coming up with new business ideas. You said there are over 750,000 trademarks that have been filed this year. So obviously people are coming up with new ideas all the time. What would you say is the next place that you want to go with your growth? I actually, my one of my goals is to start working with other lawyers and law firms to help them market online. Just kind of like a little bit of a pivot or not just pivot, like additional thing, but just because I love creating online and, you know, connecting with people online. And it's something that I think is kind of unique for lawyers because I know a lot of lawyers, you know, they, people find them overwhelming. (laughs) We don't have the greatest reputation. We talk in legal jargon. We're like boring. Legal stuff is boring. So I think I want to work with other lawyers to help them kind of, you know, just show up in a more creative way and kind of join the online space as well. Fantastic. That is really important. I only know one law firm based in Houston, actually, that was more aligned with what you're talking about. 
they tried to be fun and approachable. And during the pandemic, they also did a little pivoting for when they were looking at how to help people trademark. And they went into like tattoo artists can trademark their work, visual artists, musical artists. People don't think about like all the different things that you should be thinking about trademarking and protecting. So yeah, definitely. So it's definitely, I mean, there's now I know two law firms that have been good at building online space and thinking outside the box. So yeah, we need more of you. <laughs> yes, definitely. I can approachable for everybody to deal with lawyers. <laughs> exactly. I want people to like not be scared of coming to lawyers. So. Yeah. And people can go to your website, lawyerkelly with an I.com forward slash podcast to get more information, get a consultation. Yep. Get a consultation. You can also sign up for some free resources there as well. So if somebody is just starting their business, they've just come up with their name, would that still be a good time to reach out to you just to say, here's where I'm at the process. Do I need you now or do I need you in a month? Yeah. So one of the reasons why I've left my trademark consultations at $97 is because I want it to be as accessible as possible, even for new business owners, because sometimes the consultation alone can really help you, you know, figure out your future goals. And also it can kind of sometimes identify if there's like a major red flag with your brand name. So sometimes that can be helpful earlier rather than later on. So, you know, even if you don't know if you want to fully proceed with, you know, the whole investment and time commitment of filing the trademark, I think the consultation alone is really helpful to have as early as possible in your business. So I, you know, I recommend anyone starting out to at least do that because, you know, even if you don't file the trademark right away, it can still be really good to, you know, have that information um, and talk through that with another lawyer so we can then prioritize, okay, when is the right time for you to file the trademark? And I know we see TM on some things. And I've actually spoken to somebody who's a creative person who's written books and he uses TM, but that's different than the R, the registered mark. So should you start using a TM even if you haven't started the process of registering your trademark? Or when when do you start using that? Yeah. So you can use the little TM on something that you want to identify some part of your brand. Um, and you can use that whether you are in the process of filing or whether you haven't filed or even if you never intend to file, but you want it to still be like put people on notice that you are, you know, you think of it as a trademark essentially. So anyone can use that. And then once you get the actual registered trademark, you know, after the year plus long process, that's when you can turn that little TM into the circle R. And I know when we were talking, it's like, oh, I don't have the circle R on my Zoom screen. Do you need to always use the circle R if you are a registered trademark? You're not required to. I think it's probably a good thing to put it on as much as possible when you can, just because it, you know, it, it puts people on even more notice. But you don't like have to like you still have the registered trademark. So at the end of the day, you know, you still own it and people still aren't supposed to infringe on you, even if they don't see the little R. Fantastic. Is there anything else that you want to share about your journey or about the trademark process that we haven't covered? Just that, you know, definitely overwhelming to a lot of people because of the cost and the time commitment as well. But, you know, we really want to make it like as easy as possible for you to get that ownership over your brand. So, you know, the earlier that you can do it, the better likely for the future of your brand. Um, And then it's also kind of just peace of mind that, you know, a lot of people wait until they a copycat pops up. And then at that time, it's like, okay, but now we have to wait over a year before we can really like take them down, you know, stop them. So just kind of think about like, would you be upset if you were forced to rebrand? 
and kind of let that guide your timeline of when you want to prioritize the trade bar. Yeah, that's a great question. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, And lastly, do you have a favorite quote or mantra or some words that you live by? I think kind of just, you know, done is better than perfect. Um, As a business owner, that's one of my favorite things because I think a lot of us get, you know, stuck with trying to do everything perfect or do everything ourselves before we do anything. And sometimes it can lead to like a lot of like analysis paralysis. So, you know, I just try to say done is better than perfect and everything doesn't have to be perfect. Awesome. That is great advice. Yeah. All of us, I think, get stuck in that. No, we have to make it exactly what we want it to be. But if you don't get it out there, somebody else might release the same idea with the same name. So yes, exactly. Think about that. When you're starting your business journey, reach out to Kelly at lawyerkelly.com. You can follow her on all the socials. And Kelly, thank you so much for sharing your story and your wisdom with us today. Again, this is something we haven't talked about since the very beginning of this podcast three years ago. And it's something that is really important for everybody to think about and consider when you're trying to start your business or whether you already have a business and you haven't done this yet, or whether you're just starting out and thinking through what it's going to look like. So with that, I'll be back again in a few days with another amazing expert giving you some expert advice on something you need to know for your business. Want more? Check out AmplifyWithAnnika.com or follow me on socials at Annika.